If you're not already a subscriber to the London Review of Books, now is the perfect time to try. Sign up for just £5 a month and treat yourself to some of the world's best writing from Europe's leading magazine of culture and ideas. Subscribe now while you're listening to this podcast at lrb.me forward slash now. That's lrb.me forward slash now. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop. Picture yourself on a boat, on a river. And remember what the Dormouse said, feed your head, feed your head. Oh, and also, I am the Eggman, they are the Eggmen, I am the Warus. Goo goo, goo doob, there we go. Uh, and already then I can hear some of you singing along, humming along in your heads, and if you are, that's because these little musical fragments do more than just tap our private memories, they tap our cultural memories. They remind us that over the last 150 years, a story about growing up has itself developed in strange and surprising ways. Uh, and what started off as an attempt to entertain three little girls in Oxford has become an important part of the story that we tell about ourselves. Uh, in 1990, the New York Times published an article about Alice with the headline, That Girl Is Everywhere. That girl is everywhere. And since then, she's become even harder to pin down. If literary characters can be national treasures, then Alice definitely qualifies. Uh, according to the poet Robert Graves, uh, she is, he said, the prime heroine of our nation. In other words, a champion of sturdy British common sense in a bizarre and baffling world. Uh, but if she's a national treasure, she's also an international treasure. You might think about the, uh, the dozens, perhaps hundreds now, of translations from uh, Afrikaans to Zulu via Cornish and Hawaiian and Manx. Or you might think about that huge bronze statue in New York Central Park. Or, or maybe Disneyland's teacup ride um, or uh, a themed restaurant in Tokyo that features mock turtle salads and caterpillar sushi rolls and a lot of waitresses in rather disturbingly short blue pinafore dresses. Um, or um, you might think about, um, well, in London, uh, quite recently, I visited uh, an entire office building which is themed around Alice in Wonderland. It includes uh, a large white fiberglass rabbit in the hall uh, and a Queen of Hearts boardroom. I would be quite worried if I were invited to the Queen of Hearts boardroom. I don't know about you. Or, or you might think about the fact that even if we're not talking about the Alice books, we use them to talk with. Yes, that they are supposedly the, um, the most commonly quoted books in the English language after Shakespeare and the Bible. Curious and curiouser. Uh, we're all mad here. Uh, off with her head. 
you put all the examples together, you, you realise that Alice is far more than just another literary character. She's become something more like an escapologist. Every time we think we've managed to pin her down, like your change, sir, she manages to somehow wriggle free. Uh, and, and, and on the 150th birthday, she's, she's still on the loose. Still on the loose. So, no, no, it, it, couldn't, it couldn't be better timed. I think you're a stooge. Um, so, 150 years on from her first publication, why am I interested in her? Um, it's not as if I have uh, a secret wardrobe full of long blonde wigs and neat blue pinafore dresses. Some people here might. If you do, I'm not judging. Uh, I don't. Uh, I've never wanted to get one of those slightly disturbing tattoos you can see online. Um, one I've seen recently is a Cheshire cat bursting out from somebody's chest cavity, like alien gone wrong. Uh, there's another one which includes scenes from the 1951 Disney film uh, tattooed across someone's back underneath the caption, Ink Me, which is a really bad joke, but it's a very good tattoo, isn't it? Ink Me. Ink me. Um, there is, though, one confession I can share with you. And that is that uh, when I was about seven or eight years old, um, the school bully accused me of being a bookworm. I know, you know go figure. Um, as, as an insult, it backfired somewhat because I didn't know what he meant. And the only way to find out was to read a little bit more. <laughs> but even now, even now, I think the bully got it the wrong way around. You know, we don't um, bury ourselves in books. Books bury themselves in us. They borrow their way into our minds. And of course, any book can do that sort of trick, and at any time. But it's the books that we read as children that really do that trick, that really change how we think and how we feel. Uh, and Catherine Rundell puts it much better than I can in her recent book, Rooftoppers. She says... Uh, there that when you're a child, books crowbar the world open for you. It's a lovely phrase, books crowbar the world open for you. And once they've done that, the world remains a place full of possibility and surprise. Uh, and in my case, pretty obviously, the crowbar was Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Um, you might remember those uh, original illustrations by John Tenniel, one of which shows Alice excitedly pulling back the curtain that reveals the door into Wonderland. Well, that also pretty much sums up my first memory of the story. Opening the cover of the book was like opening that door into Wonderland. And just as Alice discovers that Wonderland is not a place, but rather a state of mind. So that book and her adventures introduced me to the power of the imagination to transform the world. So how did such a little book end up becoming such a large presence across the world? And who is this Alice anyway? You might remember that the caterpillar asks her, who are you? Who are you? And she doesn't seem quite sure. Uh, she says, I, I, I hardly know, sir. 
just at present. Uh, at least I know who I was when I got up this morning, but I think I must have been changed several times since then. And that kind of confusion is, of course, understandable, isn't it? Because over the course of her adventures, she is at various times mistaken for a volcano uh, and a housemaid and a serpent um, uh, and a flower. Uh, she grows as tall as a tree. She shrinks to the size of a mouse. She reminds us that one person has the capacity to become many different things. But if there is just one common thread running through all these transformations, it is probably the idea of doubling. A very simple idea, doubling. Both of the Alice books are obsessed with twins and with hybrids. From the mock turtle to Humpty Dumpty, from uh, puns to portmanteau words, Tweedledum to Tweedledee. And the central example of that doubling tendency is Alice herself. It's not just that Carol wrote two books about a little girl called Alice. There were, of course, two Alices. The fictional version is the one that we still know best. That's the one that we know best from Tenniel's illustrations. That little girl with the neat pinafore dress and the long blonde hair, who is in the books variously uh, sweet and spiteful. She is kind. She is careless. She is, in fact, like a real little girl who's been unleashed in a world full of cardboard cutouts. But there was, of course, also the real Alice. We'll hear more about her in a few minutes. Alice Little. Alice Little, one of the sisters for whom Carol originally told that story. And that's the girl we now probably know best from photographs he took of her. Photographs like the beggar maid with her neat chestnut bob and her artfully distressed clothes. And that's um, troubling and ambiguous stare straight at us. Now, one of the reasons that Carol enjoyed photography so much was that it was another way of doubling up reality. You take a photograph and left is right, right is left. Black is white and white is black. A building can shrink to the size of a doll's house. A gnat can suddenly grow to the size of a giant. But if Carol was interested in this idea of twinning and doubling, it might also be because it was so closely bound up with his own identity as an author. And I say that because in some ways, Carol was like two strangers who simply happened to share one skin. As Lewis Carroll, the author, he wandered through life with a head full of stories and a pocket full of puzzles. As the Reverend Charles Dodgson, a rather plodding mathematician in Christchurch in Oxford, the relationships that he found most interesting were those hidden away in algebra. Uh, in public, he upheld the doctrines of the established church. Uh, in private, uh, he devoured books about magic and the supernatural. But as a friend to probably hundreds of children, uh, he 
He filled his cupboards in Christchurch with enough uh, toys and games and puzzles to stock a small toy shop. Uh, Left alone in his rooms, he busied himself writing letters of complaint about how his cauliflower was cooked too hard uh, or what time the window cleaners kept turning up too early. And since his death, he's attracted uh, myths in much the same way an old wardrobe attracts moths. Uh, Did he really spend his time tripping out on psychedelic drugs? No, no evidence he did. Uh, Was he really Jack the Ripper? Well, you laugh. There is a whole book that says he was, but no. No, he wasn't. So... So, so what was he like? Well, um, socially, he could be uh, gregarious and warm and witty. Uh, he could also be shy and cold and prickly. Uh, he was almost obsessively neat and orderly, uh, but also almost obsessively playful and silly. Uh, he was, if you like, an anarchic conservative. Uh, He was a traditionalist who had a taste for mayhem. Uh, He enjoyed uh, creating miniature worlds, um, not only photographs, but also uh, poems and puzzles and um, tiny letters that he wrote to some of his favourite child friends in what he called fairy writing. There's one that's now in an American archive in which he sends ever so much of my love to a little girl, ever so much of my love. The letter is about four inches high. Um, He liked uh, pulling things apart and then putting them together again. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Not only puns and portmanteau words and jigsaw puzzles, um, also uh, other individual words. Um, uh, Some of the anagrams that he collected of the Prime Minister's name, William William Ewart Gladstone, William Ewart Gladstone, some of them included wild agitator means well, uh, and a wild man will go at trees, William Ewart Gladstone. Um, He was... He was fascinated by new inventions, uh, which included Charles Babbage's early pioneering model of the computer. He tried to buy it. Uh, He did manage to buy other inventions, which included an organette uh, and a velociman 
and uh, patented pens and pencil sharpeners uh, and a typewriter with a curved keyboard uh, and a Wikely exerciser. The same thing that um, Leopold Bloom has in Ulysses, uh, which he thought was going to keep him trim and alert in his last years. Um, but on the other hand, um, some of Carroll's social thinking wasn't always quite so progressive. Uh, for instance, uh, a scandal about pro child prostitution broke in 1885. Uh, and Carroll wrote to the Prime Minister, urging him in to intervene. Was it to help the girls? No, no, it wasn't. It was to stop the stories being printed in case they corrupted other still innocent children. Um, he was keen on establishing uh, an all-women's university, but he also wrote to the mother of one of his child friends, uh, telling her that several of my girlfriends have been seriously affected by the modern craze of excessive brain stimulation. A joke or not a joke? Um, he also had um, mixed feelings about his own fame. Uh, he loved to meet new children uh, on trains or at the seaside. Uh, and then later he would write to them, revealing himself as, ta-da, Lewis Carroll, like a superhero stripping off his disguise. But at the same time, he hated uh, journalists snooping around him. He returned some of the letters that were sent to Lewis Carroll with not known written across the envelope. He told one fan, uh, there is one thing I cannot stand, and that is to be pointed out as that's the man who wrote Alice in Wonderland. So, in other words, like most people, he was a jumble of contradictions, like most of us. Unlike most of us, he managed to find a way of reconciling all those differences. And he did that by putting them in a book, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. And I say that because Wonderland is a place where logic slams up against nonsense. It takes rules and it takes them seriously and it turns them inside out and upside down. And it also shows that Carol wasn't content merely with photographing little girls. He also wanted to get inside their heads and have a look around. He wanted to do what people often talk about doing, but very rarely actually do, which is to write like a dream. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland is a book written like a dream. Everyone here knows how the story begins, even if you've not read it you will know how the story begins. Alice follows a white rabbit. She tumbles down a rabbit hole. And it's only much later that we realise the whole story is based on a pun. Alice is indeed falling asleep. And what happens next is like a magic trick that somehow um, infiltrated real life as the rabbit disappears and then it reappears as if all that we're missing is a magician's top hat. And eventually, Alice ends up in a place that is like, like a chaotic version of the real Alice's life above ground in Victorian Oxford. A place which has been transformed into a world full of uh, bossy adults and mysterious pets and uh, games that have now got a life of their own. And Alice, well, 
or rather Carol, who now sees the world through her eyes, he doesn't just tell us what she's thinking. He shows us. He shows us because when we read the story, everything is unstable. Uh, Characters lose their identities. Uh, Words lose their shape, lose their meanings. In fact, Wonderland turns out to be a place where we don't only experience a sense of wonder. It's a place where we are made to wonder. It's a place that is full of questions and very few answers. And I say that because, of course, these days many people feel much the same about Carol himself and about his motivations, not just for publishing the story in 1865, but for obsessively returning to it over the next 30-odd years. He adapted it for everything, or encouraged people to adapt it for everything from the stage to stamp cases, as if it was like a, a creative itch. He simply couldn't stop scratching. And so one final question then would be, why? Why couldn't he leave it alone? Um, many of you here will remember the, uh, the Maurice Chevalier song from Gigi, Thank Heavens for Little Girls. Yes, Thank Heavens for Little Girls, Chevalier sings, For little girls get bigger every day. Not in Carol's hands, they didn't. Take a photograph or put a girl in a story and a little girl stays little. The real Alice, of course, grew up, as children do, uh, and she married and she moved away from Oxford. But that is not how Carol wanted to remember her. The Alice he remembered was, he said... Um, an entirely fascinating little seven-year-old maiden. That's in a letter to her husband. An entirely fascinating little seven-year-old maiden. In other words, the age he fixed on her in the story, where we learn that the date is May the 4th, which was Alice Little's birthday. And that is exactly where he chose to keep her. There's a letter in which he says, I do dislike saying goodbye to any person or thing one has any liking for. But of course, returning to his story meant he never did have to say goodbye to the person, Alice, or indeed the thing, the book. The real Alice might have left Oxford, uh, but the fictional Alice would always remain in Wonderland. So you might think that there's more than one way in which Carol's story involved the dream of a girl. Not just hers, also his. But of course, Alice in Wonderland was much more than just uh, a private memorial or a disguised love letter to a girl that Carol referred to as a dream child. Uh, The story struck a nerve with the public, and 150 years later, that nerve is still tingling Uh, It's never been out of print, and even now, um, it still regularly features in the top ten of the most popular children's stories ever written. So, the final question then is why? Why would anyone still want to read about Alice and Wonderland when there are so many more? imaginary worlds 
that we can now choose from and children can choose from. Why, why would you want to go back to Wonderland when you could instead go to, uh, to Narnia or to Discworld or to Oz? And the simple answer, I think, is that when we read about Alice, we are, of course, really reading about ourselves. Uh, at a cultural level, uh, Alice in the sequel that Carol wrote would, of course, end up going through a looking glass. But she herself, as a character, has become something like a looking glass. Like those funfair mirrors that you used to see in carnivals that reflect distorted versions of whatever you put in front of them. Over the last 150 years, she's been used to think about everything from... um, from the suffragette movement to the First World War to the uses of LSD. And Wonderland has also expanded its borders. Uh, Since 1865, it's been used to think about um, the scientific world and the world of ghosts uh, and uh, a music hall in the East End in the 1890s that was called Wonderland, which included acts like a troop of performing pigeons and a man with a very long beard and the armless midget lady. You know, these have all been referred to as various kinds of Wonderland. Uh, more recently, psychiatrists have um, diagnosed what is called Alice in Wonderland syndrome, uh, which is something where the sufferers feel they are sometimes uh, shutting up like a telescope or suddenly expanding. Uh, Neuroscientists, also neuroscientists, can use what they call jabberwocky sentences to show that the brain uses rather different bits of itself to process meaning and grammar. And at a personal level, too, uh, Alice in Wonderland retains that power to tease and to unsettle what we normally take for granted. Uh, I've already said something about its interest in in splitting and doubling. And and the most obvious example of that, which I'll leave you with, is the way that it somehow manages to be always two stories in one. Um, For child readers, it's a way of coming to terms with the adult world as a place that is uh, often scary and almost always confusing, but also potentially full of uh, fun and happy surprises. Um, And for adult readers, well, opening the cover of the book is more like opening the door to your own personal TARDIS and being transported back in time. Um, Virginia Woolf puts it much better than I can. She said that um, the Alice books are the only books not written just for children. She said they are the only books in which you become children. In other words, Alice in Wonderland and then Through the Looking Glass, they remind us that once we've visited Wonderland, we know where the door is. All we have to do is to shrink small enough to go through it again. Thank you for joining us for this London Review Bookshop event.
for more, visit our website at www.londonreviewbookshop.co.uk or search for the London Review Bookshop on iTunes. <laughs>